0: Everybody, I'm Breeze, and here we are in the Watchmen again on a beautiful Saturday afternoon, right here on AM Radio 118, 1180 to be FYL, here in Southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley. Folks, whether you live in King of Prussia, whether you live in Jenkintown, whether you live in Havington, whether you live in Skipback, it doesn't matter. You're tuning into our show because you know that we have the truth, and we are watching out on the Watchmen for the perspectives that. That the mainstream fake news, state-run media aren't bringing you every day. So we're jumping into that today, and and thanks for tuning into us. We're so gonna jump into it here. I want to discuss what's going on right now in China, and I think what's going on right now in China is a, a really compelling because China, the Chinese nation right now, is suffering e- economically. Their imports and their exports are down. I mean, way down. When you look at their imports and exports from where the today from where they were just two and a half years ago three years ago you see what i'm talking about they're down 50 60 percent from where they were that okay when your exports and imports are down 40 50 60 percent depending on what products are but what the products are but when you see their general uh, ex- imports and exports are down their economy is contracted okay they have no inflation right now there's almost virtually no inflation going on there and the reason for that is because there's no demand So there's no demand in China for the products they have. There's no demand because, you know, there just isn't. So there's no demand there. So there's no prices going up. But the bottom line is, folks, they're not. Their country is driven by their exports. And right now their exports are down and their imports to make their exports are also way down. So this is something going on in China. They have an aging population. Their population of about uh 1.7 billion people is aging very quickly because it had this one child birth rate if you will of family size if you will in 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 their country uh you've had that going on i think it's very compelling that uh, you have that happening and you know i mean what what you're seeing right now is you're seeing that the 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 contraction of their population so um What there's, what they're anticipating now in about 10 or 15 years is that 1.7 billion people will be down about to about a billion people, maybe 1.1 billion, but they're saying that about half that population, maybe a little more than half will be over 45, 50 years old. So what's really compelling on all of that is when you look at, and when you look at the, the world today, that's not the way it is. Like in this country, it's about 35%. So. What you're seeing is, is, you know, the people under 45 right now um, in this country make up about 55 percent of the population. In their country, it's about about 40 percent, 35 percent. So you're going to see that change dramatically. And what you're you're likely going to see in their country is you're going to see their fighting force decline. Right. So even though we have they have five times our population today, uh, their fighting force is five times our fighting force today. Uh, 10 to 15 years from now, their fighting force will likely be about half of what our, uh, double what ours is. And that's not, a, that's not enough. I mean, back in the Korean War, you got to realize, folks, in the Korean War, when MacArthur was leading the troops, uh, MacArthur was pushing the Chinese back through North Korea to the Yao River. And they went into China. He wanted to go into China. And Truman said, no, 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 we're stopping right there at the border. And Truman's like, we need to go in there. We can take these people. We can do this. Truman said, it was a Democrat, said, no, 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 we're not going to China. Well, the Chinese put wave after wave after wave of people up on that border to keep the U.N. forces from coming in. So they literally threw people at them. I mean, they, they outnumbered us like five to one, four to one. Okay, they were coming at us in droves. They simply outnumbered us four, five to one, and they just overwhelmed us. I mean, the barrels of the guns were overheating. They couldn't shoot so many people. That's what happened. The Chinese, were they just threw them out there. That's their resource. Well, they don't have that resource. When you're not outnumbering your, your opponent by that, you can't beat them. Like, for instance, you know, Russia, I should say, uh, you know, Germany where today, you know, with like 80 million people, um, they could not just roll over France with 60 million people. It's not as likely it could happen they outnumber them but they're not they couldn't roll over them um you know of course they were able to do that in world war ii but that, that's for other reasons but today these countries are all very close to population so you know they're not going to defeat each other they're not going to have that the, the larger countries generally win in battles but they have to have a technological advantage there and uh the chinese don't seem to have that completely so bottom line is their their military is weakening but economically they're weakening as well okay so you actually have as i as i stated they have no inflation there but there's no demand for the products and i think their their window of opportunity of when they go into taiwan their window of opportunity to dominate the world is gone and they're or i should say fast closing and they know it so there's a lot to be said of that there's a lot that they think is is going on they're just concerned about it. their windows changing and uh, they see it happening and they're concerned about it so i don't know what's going to happen i think this war in ukraine is is, is occupying the world right now I, I look i don't understand why you know why russia did what they did other than they were provoked into it i think that there's something to be said of that as well but the chinese right now are, are in trouble okay but what we're seeing in this country right now is is a is a bend on globalism. I mean, for instance, when you when you look at the supply chains it takes to make things, like a set of earbuds, there's 1,500 supply chain links to make a set of earbuds. That's just an amazing thing. So this country has more disruptions to the supply, to the supply chain than, than most others. In other words, because we're such a large country, because we have so much here, we are able to sustain ourselves better than other countries. Other countries like these European countries are all going to suffer with this. So what's likely to happen when China goes down economically is the whole globe is going to start suffering economically. And because the supply chains are going to be disrupted. And what we have to is as, as, as leaders in the world free world, we have to figure out right now that economically we have to build up our economy. We have to build up our, uh, you know, what we got to do. We got to just build up, you know, where we're at. So economically we can can meet our own supply chain links you see so that's kind of where we're at right now as a society so i think going forward i think uh we're making adjustments but a guy like trump will do this see trump already started the process he already created the start he already started up that process with the you know changing up and disrupting the supply chains And the chinese know it they see taiwan as a as a source of income as a source of money as a source of of, of economic boom, if you will, they're trying their best. But see, what the, what's interesting about China, I'll say this again, why did the Chinese implement, I mean, think about this, this happened in the, in the 70s, why did the China, maybe the 60s, but certainly it was back when I was a child, why did the Chinese implement a one-child-per-family rule? Why did they do that? Because their profane leadership, again, their godless leadership, were blind to the realities of of agriculture. They didn't think they could feed that many people. They were terrified of a growing population. They were like, we can't feed all these people. I think that they saw a society growing too much with too many people. They, they couldn't maintain it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what their thoughts were. Maybe they thought, okay, if we minimize the size of our economy and the size of our population, it's easier to control. Remember, they just won the, they just won the communist. They just, the communists just beat the nationalists of Shanghai Shek, Shanghai Shek. And they chased him off into Taiwan with his nationalists, okay. And of course, the communists then came in to cut the power and and, and all the you know all the chieftains, if you will, all the tong leaders, if you will, all the you know the, all those leaders were all then beheaded, and their heads were put in Tiananmen Square to to make sure that they reestablished, if you will, that the fear factor of society don't go against the state. I mean, in, in all these totalitarian cultures, when they, when they win, what happens is there's murder and mayhem all the time, all the time, okay? But whatever the case is, I mean, you saw what happened. So the Chinese themselves, I mean, right now, when you look at what happened to them in the last 55, 60 years, like when they tried to go into Vietnam, they they, they, they were whoop then. They can't go into India because of the Himalaya Mountains. There's no way they can go into India. So they that they, they can't do that, and they, of course the Indian government has something to say about that as well, but the Chinese are kind of like they're 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 locked in, they don't really have a place to go, they're not going to go into Russia, and they can't go into Europe, they're not going to do that either, so they're kind of landlocked, and they don't really have anywhere to go to expand their their culture and this is where they're at but that being said, there's still a risk here, and I think that you know you look at the end times of society you you look at what society has become here in this country. I mean, we're now passing laws to protect children from their parents, to protect the indoctrination establishment and our schools that are trying to indoctrinate our children, protect their ideology and their theology as they impose it on our children, to protect their children, if you will, parents from their parents. In other words, your parents will disrupt this indoctrination. So we're going to pass laws that prevent the parents from inter- intervening into this stuff. Think about it. You know, that's something that you can't miss. This is what's going on right now in society. You've actually got Democrats who want to prevent parental inv- involvement. Well, what kind of a society prevents parental involvement? What kind of a society prevents parental rights or squashes parental rights? What kind of society does it? Well, communist countries like China do. Okay, so the Democrats are acting like communists when they want to squash parental rights. So when we say that their Democrats are communists, we're saying that because their their policies resemble that of communists. This is what happens. We as a, as a nation see that. We as people in this country see that. Okay, when we see corruption, we understand it. We see corruption um at at the, at the communist country or a dictatorial country. Corruption looks like well national leaders that are enriching themselves uh they're enriching themselves at the at the at the at the cost of the public i should say at the detriment of the public and of course their family members get enriched we see that you know corruption okay payoffs things like that well we see that in those countries we also see it in this country the democrats but we see it in this country okay we see the children of these leaders benefiting and being protected okay and we see, uh, influence peddling melee go- going on in these countries all the time. Well, we see that here as well with Hunter Biden. We've seen that here. We see a justice department in these countries that don't go after these criminals. They don't go after them at all, but they go after other people for other things, but they leave the corruption alone at the, at the top level. Okay. Well, we see that here in this country too. You see that here as well. You know, so we see the justice department going after parents and issuing threat tags to parents for, you know, for for going against, uh, you know, uh, uh, inappropriate books in our schools, in our children's elementary schools, or, you know, for, you know, going against parents that are coming out against their children's education indoctrination, okay? So parents want to argue that, well, they're going to get threat tags assessed to them. But we see those threats being issued as well in other countries. We actually saw the communists in China right there recently in one of their Politburo meetings, actually escort off the Politburo, okay, right out of the hall, escort the former leader of the Chinese country, took him right out of the room, escort him right out. He's probably rotting away in some gulag someplace, if he's even alive. But this is what's happening, and we see that. You know, that happens in foreign countries. It happens, well, in this country. We see what's going on with Trump a former leader in this country, Donald J. Trump being indicted. We see investigations into phony crimes happening against Donald Trump. We see crimes that were fabricated. We see evidence that was fabricated to provide the the, the probable cause for the authority for search warrants, okay? We see that uh, for, for, for phony crimes, okay? We see all of that happen in this country, like we see in other countries now against political leaders there. This is what's going on we are mirroring these countries. And this is happening, folks. This is happening right under our noses. And the the state-run media in these countries uh, prevent all the facts and perspectives from getting out to the public. And they do it here in this country, too. We see that going on right now. We see the thwarting of, of perspectives and information getting out. And as a result, we're seeing that there, you know, there's no outrage, if you will, over the over the uh what's going on in this in these countries we don't see the outrage anymore we don't have any outrage so but but one thing that they've with one thing they've underestimated is the power of the the people themselves that came out and voted for donald j trump the nearly 80 million people in this country that voted for him that of of which like 90 percent see this whole thing as a political witch hunt against them i mean you, you actually have most of the population see this whole thing. I mean, 65%, I believe I saw in a recent poll, see this entire indictment, Jack Smith's indictment and the Injustice Department's indictment. Nearly two thirds of this country see this as a political theater. Now, that's the, that's the truth you can bank on, folks. People see it. Now, people perceive this as political theater. They're just not going to, it's not going to influence decisions. Matter of fact, they're going to get turned off on the people in charge that are producing this political theater. Okay, this Kabuki theater, if you will. This is what's going on. So you're seeing a tremendous outcry right now in this country. You're seeing a outrage in this country that's coming on. And as I said, uh, you know, you can look at society. A society is defined. Okay, they're defined by what it will not tolerate. We know that. That's an axiom. We know that is true. Any society is defined by what it will not tolerate. So you know, so when as a society we say we're not going to tolerate political corruption in government, okay, well we 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 still are that society today. The only difference is the, the corruption is not being highlighted, but it is out there. People know it's real and they're turned off and disgusted by it. I think the public is that's why Trump's beating Biden by ten or twelve points in the polls. That's why in, you know he's got 47 percent of the vote of, of of any polls. I mean, you have maybe ten percent undecided. You know, um, uh, he's got 46%. Oh, Biden's got like 36%. Okay, and there's like, I don't know, like 20% undecided. So it's really interesting on all of this. And you see that happening right now. Okay, like 15, 18% undecided. So Trump is likely going to win handily in any election. If the election were held today, Trump would win handily, get 55% of the vote. I think personally should get 80% of the vote, but that's just my opinion. I'm amazed, but people... You know, they, they just, I mean, O'Biden oh, people do not want more of him. Okay. They don't want more war in the Ukraine. They're going to get real tired of this. It'd be a lot of fatigue of this war in the Ukraine and the money we spend. Okay. The high food prices going on. But when you see that they're, they're creating a scenario in these third world countries where there's going to be tremendous famine because these countries all need the fertilizer for their soils, the fertilizer that's created in ukraine that's not being created now or russia okay that's not being exported now so you're seeing all of this happening in our country here we do we do produce about 50 percent of the of the fertilizer that we use so we produce it here but the other 50 percent or so is imported. so we know that we're we're seeing shortfalls in that in fertilizer and that's affecting the cost of vegetables and growth and garden yield i should say farm yields and so forth which is going to raise prices at the cash register we know that but this war is going to cost the public money this war is already costing the public a lot of money and fuel prices i mean you know it's three dollars and 75 cents at the pump here in pennsylvania for just regular unleaded okay that's nearly two dollars more than it was just four years ago Okay, so Americans know this. They realize this. Okay, a dozen eggs cost double what it used to cost. Gas costs, well, three times what it used to cost. Let's just say double what it used to cost. All right, so what you're seeing a lot of right now is inflation nation run amok. I mean, you know, when they raise the minimum wage to $15, $16, and what ends up happening is you're paying people more money and there's more money being thrown in there. So what happens is the cost of, eating out goes up, the cost of vegetables and groceries goes up, the cost of everything goes up because you're putting more money in the consumer's hands, which means you have more buying power, which means you have more demand. The consumers want to consume and there's more demand, so that's going to raise the cost of prices. That's how inflation starts. The reason China, again, as I stated earlier, they don't have any inflation because there's no demand for the products. One thing China did not do is they don't have a minimum wage here. They don't have, China's got an economy that they control. Those people don't have any money. In China, there's only the haves and the have-nots. There's really no, I mean, there is allegedly a middle class, but make no mistake about it. I mean, you got the privileged in China, they get what they want, when they want, how they want, and you got those that aren't privileged, okay? That's what's going on in China. I also think that the COVID crisis in China was a lot worse than people thought. They started out with 1.7 billion people, but I would almost bet that the COVID crisis killed one out of five in China. I believe that the, because we saw the stories, the crematories running behind the 10 minute funeral funerals going on in China. We saw that we see that their their cell phone system, their cell phone companies in China. Again, we see that, you know, because the national because everybody in China has a cell phone. So when they have two, three hundred million fewer cell phones being handed out, you know, there's a lot of people that died, OK, because they don't have an immigration problem or an immigration problem they don't have people leaving their country okay so when they're down 200 plus million cell phones from where they were three years ago there's something happened there when and that's a lot That's that's a huge thing so china's going under all kinds of problems right now they're a closed society and as much as people don't know what's happening over there but we here in this country and on this show know that there's issues going on in china and again how is that going to affect the global environment? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I am optimistic. I think Trump's going to win his re-election. I think Trump's going to win ha- handily win the primary. And I think that he's going to win this re-election. I do believe that the Democrats will try to wag the dog. I think they're going to try to uh, expand the war in the Ukraine or do something that's going to put us in some sort of strife somewhere, maybe Taiwan, or I don't know. But they're going to do something. They're going to create a, they're going to create a scenario where our people are involved in some conflict so they can create some sort of a a nationalism, if you will, a sort of nationalism, uh, fervor for supporting the war efforts, which will thus create a nationalism effort to support those in office. That's what that kind of does. Theory. When uh, we had the Twin Towers go down, there was tremendous nationalism in this country. Uh, believe it or not, I mean, it was a huge, huge nationalistic move in this country when the terrorists attacked the Twin Towers and evaporated the lives of 3,000 people in those towers. We saw that happen and we know that in 2000 and, you know, in 2003, just before the 2004 election, George W. Bush's favorable ratings were sitting at about 90%. Okay. 85%. We know that. Now, of course, that came down a lot as the election came around, but that war on terror helped, I think, Bush win his election, his reelection effort, because he really wasn't a very good candidate. Um, you know, we, we saw that. So there's something to be said of that. Now, you know, and I, I mean, we know what happened to George H.W. Bush when he ran for election in 1992. Uh, the Iraq War had just finished, and we had won the Iraq War and George Bush was a hero. His dad was a hero with an 86% or 85% approval rating. And again, he got clobbered by, well, by, by Clinton. Okay. And I think what's interesting is they've watched these people cheat. They watch these people take every advantage they can. I remember a town hall debate in 1992 and, uh, they, they, they took three calls one of them was from Brussels and one of them was from. Well, George Stephanopoulos, who happens to be Clinton's campaign guy, okay, speechwriter or whatever, and Stephanopoulos asked the questions in that. And I remember Bush said, "Okay, with all these calls coming in here, you got George Stephanopoulos calling it. He got, he got three calls: one from Brussels, one from, you know, Detroit or wherever. He all around the world, and all of a sudden, bam! You got one from George Stephanopoulos. No other people trying to get it that I could talk to. It was a giant setup." But Republicans are okay with the giant set up as long as they, you see, what's interesting is you have establishment Republicans like the Bushes that were okay with the giant set up because they were okay getting the crumbs from the table from the Clintons. They were okay getting the crumbs from the table from the communists and the Democrats. They are okay with that. Okay, Mr. McConnell's okay getting the crumbs from the table. He's all right with it. As long as they're in charge of the minority, they're okay. They have the power they want. I find that very compelling. But I also think we're going to see in this election cycle next year, the Republicans will flip the Senate because the the Democrats are defending double. That's right. They're defending double the seats that the Republicans are. So if the Republicans can win a portion of their seats, like say five or six of them, uh, the Senate's going to flip very strongly. And of course, I think we'll hold the House. And um, if we win the presidency, we'll have all three branches of government. So there's a lot to hope for. There's a lot to to be, you know, to be looking forward to. Okay. But folks, we have to leave it there. I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to be with us every Saturday afternoon on this show, The Watchmen folks. You take the time to be with us and you have been for the last five years. Thank you for being with us and for spending time with us on these beautiful Saturday afternoons right here on this AM radio 1180 WFYL. Thanks for being with us. See you next week on The Watchmen folks. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.